Coming up on this week's episode of the Premier League Roundup Show. Jose Mourinho has been sacked by United. He got Mr. Wenger. Don't uh, even start with Mr. You know Wenger. I think Nonsense. we should we should we should put some sort of a, some bet on Tottenham because I'm I'm so certain they will get battered by Dortmund. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to episode number three of the Premier League Roundup Show. I'm Leo Holland, and as always, alongside me is Felix Allen. Oh, good, good to be back. Good to be back. Big, big week of football. Big week of football. It was indeed, and can't say it was exactly the most enjoyable weekend for either of us. No. Arsenal losing to Southampton and United getting their pants pulled down by Liverpool. And, that has to be said. And just as we started recording this, literally about twenty minutes before, we have uh, all found out the news that Jose Mourinho has been sacked by United, and there's only that's the only right place to start. I mean, obviously, you you can take it away. Uh, talk about talk to us about the last three years as a United fan and how you see it. Overall, I don't think it's been it's not that bad. I mean, he's won the Europa League, he's won an FA Cup. We came second last year to honestly a really really good City side, but it's just been this year. It's been the spats in the press with almost every player moving the team around every week, so no one's actually certain. Dropping Paul Pogba, who at the end of the day is one of the best players in our club, just due to some personal feud that he has. And I mean, we've never been worse off at this point in the season than we are now. And it, it was the right time for him to go, don't you think? It doesn't seem that United have been playing the style of football anyone wants. They haven't been getting the results anyone wants. They've spent enough money. To be honest, they should be doing better than what they are. Second sort of got swept under the under the carpet. No one really talks about how United came second. Which I mean, is you it. look at the points tally and the n- number of points we got last season would have won us the league in a few of the past seasons. It's just that City team was just a cut above last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, none of the teams were exceptional last year. You had Chelsea that were falling apart. You had Arsenal that were doing terribly. Liverpool were all right. Spurs were decent. I mean, for their standards, of course. You know, United did do well last year, but... This year, it just hasn't gone their way. And I don't think the sacking has come just from this year. I don't think it's just on these 17 games. I mean, they've qualified out of their Champions League group anyway. I think it's just overall the amount that he's been given over these last three years. He needed to return more than what he has. I mean, Mourinho's going to be happy, isn't he? He's got his name in the press again. Well, it's always in the press, but he's high profile. He's got his 15 million payout. He can probably just do nothing for the rest of his career. And I mean, that's what irritates me the most is he obviously doesn't really have that much of a caring for the club. I, th- I think he will be a bit embarrassed. I don't think he'll be happy to have sac- to have been sacked. You can say, you know, the, the, the money and the the fame and whatever. But I mean, Mourinho's a rich guy anyway. I don't think that I don't think this will be a particularly good moment for him I mean, looking to get big European jobs in the future. I can't really see that happening. It has damaged his reputation a bit. Yeah, his it? reputation's been damaged. He doesn't really seem like a very likable person right now. He never really connected with the Man United fans. He just. I think Mourinho is going to find it really difficult to get into another high-profile job ever again. Totally agree with that. And looking at the performance against Liverpool, two lucky Jean Shakiri goals. It has to be said. But in the balance of play, they were both deserved. I mean, unlucky with the first, there were four deflections in total before the ball hit the back of the net, which is just, it's, it's one of those really unlucky goals. And then another one deflecting off Eric Bailly that just left De Gea with no chance. But ultimately, uh, d- Liverpool did deserve the yeah, win. Yeah, I, I think it, you, they were the better side and they deserved to win the game. And, you know, the goal might not necessarily be the most deserved thing, the actual goal itself, but... 
on the balance of play, if you are the better side, usually, not always, but usually you find a way to win and they did do that and, and they deserve that and hats off to Liverpool. It was a, a really great performance against a not amazing Man United side, but you know, how many times have we said that this year? I mean, I was I was so surprised that we were going in at half-time level and we were getting sort of 65, 70 minutes and we still weren't losing because nobody can deny that we didn't really deserve that, that Lingard goal with the... Uh, Allison mistake, him dropping the ball straight into his path. And, I mean, sometimes it is just a stroke of good fortune that you need. But on balance of play, the result really was quite fair in the end. And a really solid performance from Liverpool, much as it pains me to say it. So Liverpool now top of the league, 19 points clear of United. United's ambitions this year were unlikely to have been to win the league. But even top four is looking extremely unlikely. They have some very good teams above them. And uh, a fairly sizable gap of 11 points to the top. As a United fan, you've just had your manager sacked. You're miles off, miles off the top, only after 17 games. You're a fair distance off top four with a squad that isn't playing nearly as well as it should be. With a lot of injuries, it does have to be said. Yeah, but everyone's got injuries. You know, Arsenal's got injuries. Tottenham have got a huge amount of injuries in centre-back. City had like 15 players available. Uh, Pep Guardiola said and the winter period is always difficult for I don't think you can really look at injuries as like a the most significant factor about where United are why United are where they are and now you've got a cater manager and Michael Carrick coming in and uh, well what, what, do you, what do you think about that I mean obviously we saw that bit with Giggs uh, when Moyes left but I mean for Carrick to get anything out of these uh, these next coming games is going to be difficult obviously he's been assistant manager he knows the players he knows the the style whether he's going to try and do something radical, I mean, I doubt it. And but United he's been be- at United for a long time and he obviously does know the mentality of the club and how the fans want the players to play. And I've seen interviews with him and he obviously is so passionate about the club, but I think it was just the influence of Mourinho. It was just really cast a sense of negativity around the whole club and around the whole coaching staff. But who knows, maybe with a new manager... Things will start being a bit more positive for us and we'll start hopefully getting some results on the board after one win in our last five or six games, which is just really not what you expect. Obviously, you had a couple of days ago the, the Champions League draw. PSG, where, where do you see that? Just the thought of Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani, Di Maria running at Phil Jones and Eric Bailly is enough to strike a certain amount of fear into any United player's heart. But who knows? Maybe Carrick will show the genius that we all hope he has. But or, uh, or, I think that's quite who, wishful thinking. Yeah, or who, I, doubt, I doubt Carrick will be in full-time charge then, I reckon. I mean, if you're looking at successes, who you got? You, you've got Zidane is available. You've got, you've got Mr. Wenger. Don't um, even start with Mr. You know Wenger. I don't even think Arsene Wenger would be a bad fit for United. He plays better football than United. He might not necessarily get guaranteed results, but there are a lot of those players, I think, that Wenger would really be able to to change and, and really maximise their potential. If you look at players like Ander Herrera, who doesn't really do anything, well, or didn't really do anything under on Mourinho, players like Martial and Pogba, I think Pogba is, I mean, Wenger looking at Pogba will, will be filled with all kinds of ideas about how to utilise him best. Mourinho's way of utilising him was uh, putting him on the bench. Which, and uh, slating him in the press. Yeah. 
And, and Wenger would never do that. Even if Wenger is not a hugely, you know, long-term successor, I doubt he'll really want the United job for a very long time. But I reckon he might He might come in for the last half of the season. And then I could genuinely see him him progressing with that side under a little, like, six-month contract or whatever and just stabilising it a bit because he's, he doesn't try and do anything completely radical. I mean, it's it's fairly basic football, but, I mean, it does work. It worked under Arsenal until the last few years. And that was a lot to do with the board and, and the players he had that were sort of wanting something something a bit different. But the United board doesn't exactly have full backing of the fans either. You look at the Glazers and and you look at Ed Woodward and there's been it's not just Mourinho who has had that negativity around them. It's been Ed Woodward for a couple of years. Everyone's been looking at and going, well, what's he really bringing to the club? How's he affecting the club in a positive way? But then you look at the people who are available, your Zidane's, your Wenger's, your Gus Hiddink's. Oh, you know what Gus Hiddink, right? Oh. The thing is, you, you look at them and you go, how many of them are going to stick around long term? Because the last thing I want to see at United... Eddie Howe? I would actually take Eddie Howe right now. He's... Young, he's positive, but you look at the managers who are who are available, and you don't see many of them sticking around long term. I mean, obviously Zidane had a lot of success at Real Madrid, but then you look at the players and the caliber of the team he was managing, and you think how much of that was his influence, and how much of that was a really, really, really good side. And yeah. he won, he, yeah, he won Champions Leagues and he won lots of domestic trophies. But at the end of the day, he he was playing with Ronaldo, Bale, Sergio Ramos, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz. I mean, when you I know, but if you look at the actual squads, right? How many squads, the full squads in the Premier Leagues, are better than Man United? I would say. I would genuinely say two. City and Chelsea. I, I think Liverpool's squad is better than yours, but I don't think Chelsea's is. I think the way that Chelsea are set up, you have quite a few decent players, but then as it goes a bit deeper, you don't have a lot. But the United squad, we know the talent's there. Those individual players have something about them. They just haven't been able to use it. I think if Zidane did come in and was able to maximise the potential of people like Matic and Herrera, uh, Smalling and Pogba and Martial and Lukaku, who all have been underperforming this year. Luke Shaw as well, another one who came back into the fold for a bit, but then as Mourinho decided that he wanted to piss more people off, he just started dropping people for no reason. And that's why I hate to say that Matteo Damian has had an extended run in the team, because as the commentator said in the Liverpool United game, Mourinho has started basing the team off the players that he likes and the players that behave for him rather than the players that he thinks will do a job, as why Martial and Pogba and Luke Shaw are all sitting on the bench. Yeah, but a breath of fresh air was obviously needed at United. Whether that was in the board, the board's unlikely to move, so it was very likely to be the manager. But I think Zidane would be a, a preferable candidate for United. I, I'd say much better, especially long term, than the likes of uh, Wenger and uh, Gus Hiddink. Looking towards the sort of the summer transfer window, and United's obvious target is Pochettino, looking at the work he's done at Spurs. Eddie Howe's another one, young, exciting, looking what he's doing with a fairly average Bournemouth squad, it has to be said. And, I mean, he's brought Bournemouth as high as sixth. I mean, they're now in the bottom half, but they're still only three points off United, which is actually quite scary. But we obviously have the budget to tempt these bigger managers. It's just whether we sign a long-term manager now and see if he 
see if he'll see us through or whether we just sign someone temporarily and then go for a main target in the summer because it's obvious that our prime target isn't Wenger or Zidane even though Wenger is the bookie's early favourite but you look at the sort of you look at the managers that that are available and you think are they going to be here come this time next year come the summer transfer window and I honestly can't really see that yeah I think Pochettino could definitely be tempted away from Spurs he'll definitely get more money they won't make a mistake about that. They know they are the richest club in English football. And I reckon that Pochettino would be fairly interested in that. I mean, what would keep him at Spurs, if you think about it realistically? He's got the backing of the board. He's got the backing of all the players. And the fans absolutely love Pochettino. They adore him. The and new stadium's just opened as well. Yeah, I mean, it does sort of scare me a bit to say this, but Tottenham are really on the... They're I mean, on the up. Yeah, I mean, they've been on the verge for, for years now of actually doing something. And they still haven't done anything. They still haven't won a trophy for over a decade. But I think Tottenham is definitely the most exciting... I mean, if you look at Liverpool as well, the most exciting sort of team to watch flourish in the next few years if that ever does happen. And so whether Pochettino is just concerned about the money and will move for definitely more money at Man United, or he will stay about the whole process and get convinced by the board that it's, it's all about something a bit bigger than just, just the money and it's, it's about achieving and what you've been working on the last four years of your life. I, I don't know what, what will uh, be the outcome of that, but I wouldn't actually guarantee that Pochettino will accept the United job if offered to him, which I'm assuming it will be because looking down the leagues, you've got City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, all with completely set managers that will never that won't be moving anytime soon and then the only slightly unstable one even though he's been there the longest is Pochettino and so whether Pochettino does decide will be will be close but I would personally think that Pochettino would reject Man United right now gonna be an interesting couple of months for United no matter what and as a fan it's just gonna be interesting is the best way to put it to see how the board and the club deals with it now moving on to look at the rest of the Premier League's results this week. Some quite key talking points. Starting with Fulham West Ham. A fairly straightforward game. It uh, seems nowadays that most games against Fulham are fairly straightforward no matter who it is. Ranieri seems to still be working with his with his Fulham side after still only three or four games in charge. But yeah. they just still seem to sort of that defensive organisation that you need to survive at this top level. Yeah, especially at home, you know, you, you really want a place where you know you can get results throughout the, the coming months and so far it doesn't seem that Craven Cottage is that place for them. Um, Not exactly what you call fortress at the moment, is it? Yeah. Uh, Felipe Anderson and Chicharito got to talk about those two exceptional form for West Ham especially Chicharito recently I mean he's just been scoring goals for fun Felipe Anderson getting an assist West Ham have now won their last four games in the league which is an exceptional thing to do no matter who you're playing in this league there are I mean everyone says it but there really are like no really really easy games for for Manuel Pellegrini's side he does seem to be doing amazing things there when you look at his time with City I mean he obviously inherited a very good team but he still did very well with them. And then coming back to the Premier League with West Ham. And they're in a really, really good vein of form at the moment. But I know the one thing that irritates West Ham at the current point in time, Felipe Anderson is in a real purple patch and he seems to be scoring or making goals every game. But it's at the beginning of the season, he really wasn't there. Yeah, he's, it's taken a while for him to adapt to the Premier League. Um, maybe adapt to a new manager as well, but now we are really seeing him flourish. Uh, I mean, which is great, great for West Ham. You look at the form he's in and some people think, well, why isn't he 
at a bigger club the way he's playing but it is just his sort of on and off nature to go through a really good spell of form and then the creativity to dry up for a bit because if he played consistently to that level every game or most games in a season you'd think that he'd easily secure himself a move to a bigger club wouldn't you yeah well West Ham amongst those you know Amongst those clubs outside of the top six, which is you know already formed in the league this year, you wouldn't say lots of clubs are better than West Ham outside of that. You know, they're on those sort of similar wage budgets, similar transfer budgets, similar kind of managers, similar kind of football. Um, so for him, I think West Ham is quite a good fit, really. He is the star there. You know, if he was at the likes of a bigger club, he, there's no way he'd be the centre of attention there he is now. He's got... All the fans behind him, He's he can sort of do what he wants. He's got that free roam role. And I think for him, he'd be very happy where he is right now. And I mean, we've got to talk about Wolves for a bit because in their first season back in the league, and they're in seventh, only one point off United in that outside the big six, sort of the seventh, eighth, ninth positions, winning their last three games, obviously that great 2-1 win against Chelsea recently, and this week beating one of their main rivals in that area, Bournemouth, who have also been looking really good under Eddie Howe of late, haven't they? Yeah, they, they've fallen off a bit recently. Um, you know, they've, they've lost four of their last five, which is not terrific given the way they've uh, started the season. But three of those four were against Liverpool, City and Arsenal. So yeah. it, is a, it is a shame for Bournemouth that they had to have three really hard games against some of the best teams in the league when they were on such good form. Yeah. But their fixture it, it list did. seems to be easing up a bit and it'll yeah, be mean, interesting to see where they end up. It did bring them back down to earth a little bit, I think. You know, they were doing so, so well at the beginning and now, having played all those big sides, lost all of them, they've, you know, they've, they've fallen off a bit but we're getting to that stage in the season where you've played everyone once and then you get that that good reflection. There are only a few teams that no one's played yet. So when you hit the end of December, you've, you've played everyone. So that is the best time to, I think, judge where you are in terms of you know progression and compared to where you were last season. Because until you've played everyone, you don't really know how well you're doing. So those games that they've lost were a bit of a reminder to them about where they are and where they, where they, where they can realistically aim to be. Because they were amongst that top six for the majority of the, of the first few games. So... Uh, Bournemouth won't be hitting the panic button, you know, they'll be completely fine where they are. They aren't they aren't really a side that's gonna be challenging for Europe. They aren't really a side that's gonna be getting relegated. They're sort of in that middle bracket, that kind of Leicester, Watford, West Ham sort of area. But those will looking they'll be looking to to push on as well. And it's just the ones that find that extra bit that, that end up maybe even, you know, clinching that European spot. Aside from those games against the biggest sides, they have been picking up results against the teams you've been expecting them to beat. I mean, no real major upsets against the teams around them. And apart from the big six, you'd really be expecting them to be beating the teams around them, which they have been doing of late. But I know that listening to 606 on the Saturday night, the one thing that struck me the most was how many Leicester fans are unhappy with the position of their club losing again to Crystal Palace and many fans seem to be angry with the way that Claude Puel's running the club and his style of play at the moment. Yeah, um, Leicester are doing fine. They are not doing as well as they obviously once were, but I mean, even still, they could be doing better. They do They do have a couple players that aren't quite doing it right now. You know, they, they do have the likes of Chilwell and Vardy and, and Schmeichel that they can sort of rely on. One of the main things that... I know irritated the Leicester fans was 
the position of Jamie Vardy at the club because he hasn't been playing much of late. And and on his day, he is probably the best player in the club, it has to be said. Yeah. Schmeichel aside. But I wouldn't say Schmeichel aside, really. I, I, I think that Vardy was, I mean, at, at the point, he was the best player in the league. In the 15-16 season, he, he really was. And then you look at Kante and Mahrez as well. They also had phenomenal seasons. But Vardy, you know, you can't just be that good and then just completely come off it. That 11-game scoring run. Yeah. So he does have the potential and he should really be given as much licence to, to contribute as he can because when he is given that opportunity, no matter who he's playing for, even England, he does always, always have that, that knack of scoring and does contribute. You look at the things that he adds to teams and the way he presses his opposition's back line, the way he chases through balls, his ability to work as an outlet when the teams are under pressure, always running the channels. And you think that sometimes Leicester have looked under pressure this season and they do look like they could use someone with Vardy's aggression and Vardy's willingness to run. And even if he isn't contributing goals, Vardy brings a lot to a team. He brings the whole mentality around it. He brings 100% effort. He brings a lot of stuff that, regardless of talent, and quality that you just have to have in a side. And so for him not to be playing is going to be detrimental to Leicester. And for many of the fans, that is becoming quite quite annoying. Spurs managing to just scrape through against Burnley with a very, very late Christian Eriksen goal. But when you look at the amount of chances Spurs had in the entire game, it was very, very easy for them to win it. It's just the goal never came and it looked and it looked like it wasn't going to right up until the very, very last minute of the game. Yeah, all clubs have those those games. Once a season, you usually get those extremely late wins and, and Spurs got theirs. They were the much better side. They were all over Burnley. They just couldn't get out of their own half, really. Um, And so that goal wasn't able to win. I mean, you do say, yeah, it was going to come, it was going to come, but it really came at the last chance. If if Ericsson had missed that or Kane hadn't given him the ball, there really wasn't a way back. And so uh, a bit of relief, but I mean, a deserved win. They were completely all over them. And now this week, drawing Dortmund... In the Champions League. Which... I'm so excited for that game. Dortmund obviously on fire in Germany, leading the Bundesliga by a long way. And Spurs arguably in some of the best form that they've been in in recent times. Two young, exciting sides going up against each other in what could be one of the most underrated, but one of the best ties of that last 16. I do support English clubs in Europe apart from Spurs, and I can't find myself supporting Spurs there. But I do agree that it will be a very good game for the neutral. They did play Dortmund in the uh, in the Europa League. They had them uh, at the old White Hart Lane in the in the Europa League, and those were some those were some really really good games. So Dortmund are are a very very menacing side this year. They are really really scary. If you look at the clubs that Spurs could have drawn, Dortmund are genuinely up there with with the hardest. I I genuinely believe that. Looking at Dortmund, sort of as one of the main contenders. You don't look at them, well, I'm not used to looking at them and going, okay, they could be a challenger for the whole thing. But when you look at their position in Germany and how they've been beating every side that they've come up against comfortably and the gap they have to another great side in Bayern, who haven't been having the best season this year, admittedly, you look at them and you think all of a sudden they could actually be a serious contender for the entire the entire tournament. I mean, it's a bit early to say that they are going to surpass the likes of Juve and City and Barca. But if they do get through that Spurs game, then we have some absolutely cracking quarterfinals because there are more serious challenges this year, I think. I mean, with Real Madrid being as poor as they are, last year they were sort of running away with it. And for the last few years, they've been doing the same. 
And so for now to have the likes of City, who are a genuine contender, you've got Liverpool who are you know playing exceptionally well. You've got Dortmund, you've got Barca, you've got PSG, you've got Juve. It will be an extremely exciting Champions League this year. I think Real Madrid was so far ahead of everyone else. In the last few years, it's been quite boring at times. But I'm really, really excited for those draws. You look at the clubs in the last 16 as a whole, and I wouldn't really want to be coming up against any of them. Obviously, Schalke, not in great form domestically, but on fire in the Champions League. Porto, another really solid side, it has to be said. Ajax drawing Real could be a really interesting league, what with... Matis De Ligt just having won the Golden Boy Award. It's actually one of the most solid last 16s in recent years. There haven't really been any sort of teams that you look at and go, how have you qualified? They're all sort of, they're all really solid sides and on their day, Pub Spurs. I feel like this podcast is becoming a bit of a anti-Spurs show, but... I, I, I do apologise for any Spurs fans out there that I, you do have to put up with this tirade of anti-Spurs. I think nonsense. we should we should we should put some sort of a some bet on Tottenham because I'm I'm so certain they will get battered by Dortmund. I'm sure I'm sure we'll we'll come up with something. But yeah, I'm quite glad they drew Dortmund actually. I really don't think they've got a chance. And uh, obviously we've got them tomorrow night, my birthday, at home in the Carabao Cup. Not the biggest of games, you know. I'm sure we won't be playing a, a full strength eleven, but still, it's it's Spurs. It's at home, you know. It's nice at Christmas to give the homeless a place to stay. I, I think it'll be an interesting game. Spurs will obviously be looking for revenge after that drubbing at the Emirates earlier on this season. Yeah, I mean, we actually went ahead of them when we beat them, and now we're five points back. So some quite poor, some poor performances recently, and that that does lead us on to what happened on the Sunday. We've talked about the Liverpool Man United game. Did lose away at St Mary's. It was quite poor. The whole team was poor. We looked tired. We looked lost. We looked directionless. I mean, Southampton were in the relegation zone at the beginning of play, playing their first home game under their new manager, who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. And we, Leno was poor. Koscielny starting his first league game for, for months. You could tell he'd been out for a long time. He looked well off the pace. Yeah. Ne- playing next to Granite Jacker as a makeshift centre-back with Bellerin going off injured. It just wasn't really anywhere near what everyone knows Arsenal can produce on their day. Yeah, we had our starting eleven was sort of picked for us. There wasn't a lot we could do. We had to start Lichsteiner at centre-back. Then Lichsteiner and Bellerin got injured, so Xhaka uh, had to go into centre-back. And we had Maitland-Niles play. It was a bit all over the place from us. I think a draw would have been a, a fair reflection, if I'm honest. I don't think Southampton were... That much better to deserve a win. I, th- I mean, our goals were quite lucky. Mkhitaryan getting two. Um, that must the, have been one of one. his best, perform- best performances in an Arsenal show. Yeah, I think it's been coming. Lots of fans have been slating Mkhitaryan. I don't think he's been horrendous. I think Awobi's much, much worse. Uh, Awobi's had an absolutely terrible season. He's had seven or eight games now where he's literally done nothing. I saw a stat uh, this morning. He's averages a goal every 713 minutes he's on the pitch. Jesus I mean, if you, if you look at most strikers, it's around... I mean, a bad striker would be getting around 200 minutes. Uh, you look at an attacking midfielder, you want to be around 400 maybe, and that's still quite poor. Um, that's one every four. I mean, that's, that's, that's all right. That's about... Uh, nine goals a season. Iwobi is just nowhere, nowhere near that. And he really does need to sort himself out. Unfortunately, we don't have that many options uh, currently. Uh, so Iwobi is sort of having to be in that side. But if you look at the likes of Lacazette on Ozil on the bench and Iwobi starting on Sunday, I was quite confused, especially when Ozil came on, Lacazette came on. We had that extra flair, we had that extra firepower, extra creativity going forward. And Unai Emery does like having options on the bench. And I think if he had started Ozil and Lacazette, he would have felt a bit lost when he turned around and saw his bench and seen Iwobi and uh, Lichsteiner and everyone else on the bench. But and I 
I can understand why he did it, but I don't think Iwobi's going to be starting again. I mean, I think it would have been a bit of a risk to start Lacazette, if I'm honest. Coming back from a knock, playing and starting on the Thursday, it would have been tough for him to then go on and start on the Sunday. But, I mean, you can see why Unai Emery left him on the bench. I must say, that game was just a heading masterclass, wasn't it? Four out of the five goals were headers. Mkhitaryan's with a class one. Yeah, Mkhitaryan's was good. Austin's at the end was just terrible, terrible keeping. I'm not sure what I don't, I'm not sure anyone knows what Leno was doing at that yeah, point, let alone himself. It, it was a good cross actually, and it, it was one of those ones where it's really difficult to know whether to come or to stay. And he was caught in two minds, and keepers have that a lot. It is becoming a bit of a problem crossing for Leno. It's something he's not very confident with. You have the Eric Dyer goal against against Spurs that near post where he should have done a lot better you have the James Milner goal against Liverpool when the cross came in and you just parried it straight to Milner and then you have the the cross on the weekend as a shot stopper as a passer as the way he becomes that 11th outfield player when we have the ball works so well but crossing is being highlighted as a weakness in his game and I'm sure it's something that will be addressed but it needs to be addressed quickly because we can't keep having games like that and goals like conceded like that, especially when all those goals I've just mentioned, apart from the dire ones, sorry, did change the outcome of the game in terms of in terms of points. And then just briefly looking at the rest of the games from the weekend, an Eden Hazard masterclass bringing Chelsea a two-one win against Brighton. For our uh, for our loyal listeners, I think those were my exact words when we were looking forward to this in the preview. I did say. This would be an Eden Hazard masterclass. So I, I, I'm fairly fairly pleased with that one. Uh, but yeah, a routine win for Chelsea there. Newcastle picking up a 1-0 win against Huddersfield, continuing their good form of late. Watford, with the scoreline against Cardiff of 3-2, making it look like a good game. But Cardiff only really coming back into the game in the last sort of 10-15 minutes. Junior Hoylett with another screamer. He's got two goal of the year contenders already. I think every time he scores anything that's curved, everyone's going to think back to that first one he scored in, in Cardiff. That was such a good goal. The Watford one was slightly slightly less, but also you had the Holobas goal and the uh, Kenya goal as well, all from outside the box. So yeah, some, some good goals scored and surviving that late scare from Cardiff. And a, a much-needed win for Watford, but a, a good one. Kenya, he's only 19, but he's another player like Olivier Giroud, where if you look at his highlights reel and the goals he scored, he looks like he could be up there with some of the world's best. I mean, you look at Giroud, some of the goals Giroud scored, and when you put them together, he does look amazing. And Kenya's just one of those people who has that knack to score some absolute belters time and time again. Now looking ahead to next week's fixtures and our weekly predictions, as always, if you uh, do have your own, please feel free to tweet us at PL Roundup Show. Or email us at premierleagueroundupshow at gmail.com uh, to get involved with your predictions. You've got a Friday night game this weekend. I always like a Friday. I'm not sure why. It's just something about an early weekend thing that's just evening game. Yeah, Friday night is good. I mean, not the best game, but still interesting. Liverpool's trip to the Molyneux. You know, we've had Chelsea lose here already this season. Liverpool will not be taking this game lightly. They are on such an amazing run of form with wins in all of their last five. And so they'll be much the favourites and the more confident going into this. I personally see this game going as a 2-0 Liverpool win. I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool. I still mm. think Wolves will get on the score sheet. And then moving on to the Saturday, first game of the day, lunchtime kickoff. Burnley come to the Emirates. I'll be there to do some uh, to really get a good feel for the uh, for the podcast the week after. I'm going to go for a 3-0 Arsenal win. I think this will be fairly convincing for them. We won't be the most confident I don't actually think. 
But I believe we will win this. I th- do you know what? I think it'll be a, a 2 0. Bournemouth, Brighton, battle of the, on the south coast. I think Bournemouth are going to be far too good for Brighton here. I'm going to go for a 3 1 win for Bournemouth. They have lost a lot. I'm going to go with actually a 1 all. I think Brighton will, will, will get a result. Glenn, Glenn Murray's going to score. Chelsea Leicester. Leicester haven't been on the best form of late, and Chelsea have. Going to Stamford Bridge, I think it's going to be tough for Leicester. I'm going to say 2 0 to Chelsea. Hazard to score again. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with 3 0. I think Chelsea will be far too strong for them, and they, the way they're playing right now, they're looking very, very good. Huddersfield against Southampton. I think Southampton will be the more positive of the two sides, thanks to their new manager and the mentality that brings. So I'm going to go for an away win for Southampton. A uh, rare occurrence, that has to be said, but I'm going to say a 1-0 to Southampton. Yeah, it's a key game for both sides, this. They're, they're, they're very close to each other in the table. I think Huddersfield will win this, actually. I think Huddersfield will win 1-0. And then just another inevitable result. Crystal Palace, this time, making the trip up to the Etihad. I'm going to go 4-0 to City. I just think this could be an absolute battering. I think it's going to be 5 I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's six, to be honest. I mean, it's just it's going to be one of those games where City just do not get stopped. Newcastle-Fulham, this has got to be a must-win for Fulham, going away to St James's Park. But I think Newcastle are going to be too strong for them, as most teams have been this season. And I'm going to say 2-1 to Newcastle. Uh, yeah, I think Newcastle will win this as well. I think Newcastle will win this 2-0. And then West Ham-Watford, I can't really see many teams beating West Ham in their current form. I'm going to go for 3-0 to West Ham. I think they'll win it comfortably. Yeah, it's going to be close. I don't think Watford will will be complete rollovers, actually. I think it'll be 2-1 to West Ham. And then the late kickoff on the Saturday. I mean, thank God we've got not one of the biggest sides in the league for Michael Carrick's first game in charge going away to Cardiff. I mean, I honestly have no idea how United will play, what team he'll put out. I'm just going to go for a 2-0 win and hopefully it's a convincing performance. I'm sorry, I think Cardiff will be so, so up for this game and I can't see United getting a win. I think it'll be a 2 all draw. Felix, obviously not having the most faith in United as I reckon most neutrals would at the moment. But moving on to the last game of the weekend, 4 o'clock on the Sunday... Spurs travel to Goodison and I think this should be quite a good game. Everton have been good of late, as have Spurs. Spurs coming off the back of that Carabao Cup fixture at Arsenal and I think they'll still win it. I'll say 2-0 to Spurs. I don't like predicting a Spurs win. I did last week and I can't do that again this week. I genuinely don't think they will. Uh, I think it'll be one all. Right, so that wraps up our predictions and the podcast for this week. Uh, as always, let us know, get in touch, at PR Roundup Show on Twitter. And let us know your thoughts and, and your, your comments and, and your feedback for this whole thing. Wherever you're listening to it, on SoundCloud or on iTunes, if you could write a review or leave a comment or rate it, it really, really helps the podcast and promotes us to a wider audience. So if you think it's worth it, drop us a rating, give us a review. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.